Hi everyone, welcome back to Be More, where we inspire you to be a little bit more of every role within the Salesforce ecosystem. And in today's episode, we are being more MuleSoft Composer. So without further ado, Andrew, if you could introduce yourself to our audience, please. Yeah, happy to, and thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Andrew Shanks. I typically just go by my last name of Shanks. I am a Salesforce admin at the Oregon Humane Society. Um, and as working at a nonprofit, being the only admin, uh, I pretty much am the only person that knows much about anything for Salesforce. Uh, and we use MuleSoft Composer to integrate with all of our like third-party systems to get that data in Salesforce. Okay, awesome. So if you were to break down your role for us as somebody that uses MuleSoft Composer, how would you explain that to our audience? Primarily using it to, you know, integrate with third-party systems is the biggest thing. So MuleSoft Composer, you know, it's similar to other apps like Boomi or Zapier to where it just makes connections that did not previously exist. Yeah. You know, so it has standard ones with like NetSuite or Google. Uh, I primarily use their HTTP connector, which is basically just setting up an API. Um because we have a lot of weird animal veterinary type of, you know, <laughs> systems yeah. that don't really have, you know, native integrations with MuleSoft, understandably. So mm -hmm. I use the HTTP connector a lot to basically get third-party data into Salesforce to make our, like, you know, 360-degree customer view. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And kind of divulging a little bit, but after your opinion on something now... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you used the HTTP callout in Flow as well? Do you have any thoughts about how the two compare? I have. Um, the UI for MuleSoft Composer is a lot easier. And I tend to use that because, again, a lot of our third-party vendors have weird API setups. So like, if I want to call out and get a contact, I have to get contact, which is just the name and ID. I have to get contact details, which is... a collection of phone numbers and emails and then I have to get address and three different API calls. Right. And two of those I need initially to even check to see if the person exists in Salesforce before I create a record. So it's a lot of like, hey, get this record, loop all of these records to get this contact detail, loop all of these contact details to get the address, loop all these addresses yeah. for one contact and loop through for up to 200 contacts. I wasn't able to accomplish that uh, with Salesforce HTTP callouts. It would always just kind of fail by the time it got to the address. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, the UI makes it really a lot easier to implement and set up and understand like which loop you're in and which process you're in currently. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So I have a little bit of experience with Composer myself. I was fortunate enough to get my hands on a, on a test org a while ago and I used it. To, to bridge different connections. So I think I used Jira, Box, Asana, Slack. And I feel like there's another one which is escaping me right now. But do, do you use Tableau, those? all of those. Yeah, exactly. it was one of those, you know. Do you use the standard connectors as well? I think you said you primarily use the callouts, but do you use any mm -hmm. of the standard ones? Not yet. So we are going to set up NetSuite. I think okay. probably Q1 or Q2 of 24. 
so that will be kind of the next and probably our only standard integration. Everything else is through the HTTP connector because, you know, again, just weird integrations, but at least allows us to connect everything, which is great. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And moving on a little bit to the next question, but I think these two things can tie in together. How do you interact with other roles? So I guess primarily you work as a Salesforce admin, right? So if you're using Composer to connect to other systems, do you have to work with those other system providers, developers, like those types of people to work out what you actually need to do and how you need to do it is a little bit trial and error. Like how does that work? A little bit of all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if I need a piece of data and I can't figure out how to get it or how to filter it based on their documentation, I will reach out directly to the providers kind of support team. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I've, you know, been working with good providers and have been able to kind of just poke around enough. And I have a little bit of API experience from a previous job that I can you know, piecemeal it together in order to get the data that I need. Yep. Um, and then internally, I'm working with our, like, it's called development services. Uh -huh. But it's basically the team that, like, you know, handles all of the opportunities, making sure the data is clean and ready to go. So I work with them to say, hey, here's the data I'm bringing in. Here's what it looks like. You know, how can I best process this to not make your lives, you know, a nightmare? by yeah. either creating a bunch of like duplicate contacts or yeah, that's kind of their biggest concern is duplicate contacts because it's a manual process for them to clean it up. Mm -hmm. So as much as I can do to avoid that, I will. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And kind of as an admin, like where do you get your requirements from? Is it a particular department that wants to bridge the connection? How does that work in terms of like intake? Mm-hmm. So we have a data inroads team is what we call it, but it's basically like the center of excellence that Salesforce okay. will say. Yeah. So it's a lot of our, you know, higher up kind of directors or board members that are saying, you know, here's the priority of the list of integrations that we want to connect with. And then with that, we'll have, you know, a few individual people volunteer to kind of say, hey, this data is important to us. Here's like the data that we want. And yep. they'll just provide like an open list of fields based on what we can kind of pull. Yeah. And then I go to try to do a proof of concept to make sure I can do those things. Uh, and then once I do, again, kind of work with dev services and then that data in runs team to make sure that it's coming in the way they need and want. So it's actually something they can use in the future. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And I guess that kind of extends to creating the supporting like objects and fields and processes in Salesforce as well, right? Correct. Yeah. So making that connector with Microsoft Composer, creating custom objects, updating current objects, you know, and kind of getting all of that process in place. And yeah, building Salesforce flows to run when certain things happen, whether it's records created or, you know, animal updates. Yeah. You know, we have lovely animal objects. Yeah, uh, you know, to run automation based on that. So, you know, some of our processes will just happen automatically. So if someone comes in, it's like, hey, I have this foster animal I want to return. They fill out a WordPress form. We get that in the Salesforce, like just once an hour, we bring them all in. And then yeah. we automatically will send out a schedule invite. So there's really no manual interaction or back and forth of like, hey, what times work for you? Oh, I have these times. Oh, we don't yeah. have these times. Here it is. <laughs> 
you know, rather than have like three to five phone calls and emails to figure out a scheduled time, we just take all the manual work out of it as much as we can. Yeah, exactly. And I guess that's perhaps a little bit more important when you're working for a nonprofit, right? Because resources Mm -hmm. are limited. Is that fair to say? Yes, very much so. So that is kind of my primary uh, goal and aspiration is basically trying to reduce as much manual and repetition work as possible. Yeah. So we've been able to automate a lot with our adoption team to where, you know, we had a process that would take four and a half to six hours every day to do. Mm-hmm. And that's like to send out invites to schedule adoption meetings. And we slimmed it down to, I think, like 15 minutes for the entire day now. Yeah. Using, you know, the data importer with Salesforce and a bunch of, you know, automation to say, hey, cancel these last appointments because no one filled them out and then send out yeah. new appointment invites, you know, versus, and they can do that in bulk, you know, for up to like 200 yeah. records versus going one by one by one all day yeah no exactly and i think there's definitely people on the call that will understand the concept of working kind of leaner and and more efficient right Mm -hmm. yep for sure awesome so if there was somebody that was looking to start out in a role that involved mulesoft composer how do you think is a good way to get started It's a smidge tough because, yeah. unfortunately, there is no like free version currently. So that's mm-hmm. something I've always been pushing for is kind of like a free version that will limit things and let you be able to, you know, test it out, do proof of concepts before you kind of purchase the full thing. Yeah. Um, but they do have a lot of trailheads, which is great. And you can use those to see how a lot of the standard integrations work. Yeah. Um, Joining the MuleSoft communities is great. So there's like the MuleSoft Composer uh, Trailhead, yeah, Trailhead community group. Yeah, you know they have a MuleSoft one, they have a MuleSoft RPA one. Uh, you can find me primarily in the Composer one because I always try to help and give back there where I can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just trying to do the Trailheads, be open to learning, and you can probably you know, mess around with a free platform like Zapier in order to kind of get some of that knowledge on how these type of connectors work. Yeah. You know, especially if you haven't worked with one in the past, um, getting a baseline knowledge through Trailhead and messing around with a free version of like Zapier, I think would, you know, get you well equipped for what the experience with uh, MuleSoft Composer is like. Yeah. Okay. Because something like Zapier, I'm assuming, would support HTTP callout as well, right? Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess. so there's a lot of crossover functionality, you know, even with like native integrations, but, you know, Zapier will be limited to some things that they can do that mm-hmm. I needed it to do, which is why we ended up, you know, using the soft composer. Okay. Perfect. And I guess maybe a little bit easier if there's anybody listening that's a Salesforce partner, because there are, I think, yes. resources that you can actually get and kind of trial org or developer orgs that are kind of time limited that you can actually get to to play with your soft composer but other than that unfortunately right now the, the opportunities are a little bit limited um mm-hmm. yeah okay awesome so kind of diverting a little bit again but i think it's a good question sandboxes mm-hmm. um 
how does it work with MuleSoft Composer? Would you develop in a sandbox first and then push into production like you would with the Salesforce base change? How does that mm-hmm. work? So with Composer, it's just kind of the one platform. They don't have sandbox versions. Mm-hmm. But in the one platform, you're able to connect to like Salesforce sandboxes and also like HD connection sandboxes. So, you know, especially with our first integration that I did, like I used the EasyVet sandbox API. So that way I could kind of test to see the data was coming in and I pushed that to a Salesforce sandbox. And then when you're ready to kind of switch and go to production, you can just update the connectors and you don't have to, like you can basically clone it or you can like export import and just bulk change all the connectors. So you don't have to do it one by one, which is great. Um, So it makes it fairly easy to switch to production org after doing all of your sandbox work. Okay. So is it fair to say that all of the, config like the ui exists in the production org you just point the production org into the sandbox correct yeah yeah because i i forget <laughs> that it lives sometimes in salesforce because we have the automation package so it comes with okay. you know any point light uh rpa and composer but all of them are separate web browsers Right. So I'm not working within Salesforce. Like, you know, when I think I did the pilot to test it out, it was in our production org. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And throughout your, your time working with your soft composer and I guess integrations in general, you probably learned a few things along the way. And is there anything that you would change or, or do differently if you were to have that time again? I honestly don't think I would. Uh, we were quite fortunate to where, you know, being a nonprofit, sometimes, you know, they'll throw us a yeah. bone here and there. Uh, but we purchased the automation package kind of like last minute. We were just going to do Composer, but they're like, hey, there's these two other platforms that are really great. And we, you know, bundled it all together for this nice little, yeah, bundle. Yeah. Uh, it ended up working out. And I'm glad we ended up doing that because I ran into some issues that I had to solve with any point. Mm-hmm. But with that, I was like, well, we don't know what any of these are. Can we get some training on it? And they were doing the last beta course of the hyper automation course. Okay. So the hyper automation course, which is awesome. I mean, even if I I did not pay for that one, but I probably yeah. would pay for it just based on what we learned. Mm-hmm. You know, they go from like any point use, you know, RPA, you're using Composer, using Salesforce flows, Salesforce orchestrator flows, mm-hmm. like some Omni Studio, like chat and channel stuff. So you get a glimpse of like, you know, the huge potential that these two platforms have working together, both Microsoft and Salesforce. So I think that was amazing. And that kind of helped set me up on, you know, hitting the ground running with all of those platforms. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I think I've seen one of those courses before um, as mm-hmm. part of one of the regional boot camps that Salesforce run. I'm pretty sure there was a hyper automation one because I, I saw the word hyper and kind of thought, oh, okay, that's a weird yeah. name to use. Um, yeah, just trying to make it fetch, uh, you know. Yeah, I know, you know, it's, it's marketing, isn't it? Um, yeah. Okay, awesome. So if you were to summarize kind of maybe the top five skills attributes it takes to be somebody that's 
involved in MuleSoft Composer, I guess some of the traditional admin skills would shine through here as well, right? Definitely. I think a lot of it, you know, project management, being able to get proper criteria and, you know, get down to the root of what people actually need and want, I think is a huge aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of other things are just like wanting to learn or like a growth mindset and being curious about things. Because the MuleSoft Composer platform and MuleSoft in general has been great and always updating things as they go. Yeah. You know, so yeah, a lot of things have come in in time just actually when I needed them, which was <laughs> kind of funny of like, yeah. you know, hey, I'm getting these errors, uh, having a hard time like figuring out what's happening. And then like a week later, they come out with better error handling. And I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. You know, and now I'm like, oh, well, I have the name string but i need to break it up into first name last name once i get it from the api and it's like oh well two weeks ago they came out with like list strings okay so i can like have a list of things and like cycle through that like i would in a flow to kind of break up the text into two mm. words instead of one and i was like perfect timing yeah <laughs> so being able to like learn new things be curious and kind of like seek out information uh is always helpful especially with yeah new technology and the community has been great Anytime I have a question, I go on the MuleSoft Composer community group. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I'm there quite a lot as well, um, asking and answering questions. So it's a great place to go as well. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And I can definitely testify that's one of the community groups that I see the product managers kind of chiming in and trying to support. They do. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very and, helpful. Yeah. Awesome. So, kind of diverting a little bit again but another i think important question does this fall into the traditional salesforce release schedule or is it slightly different currently it's slightly different i think they are starting to shift to be more of that like salesforce release schedule so everything kind yeah. of lines up um but for like smaller things like you know where the list strings were super helpful for me I think they would probably just kind of like, hey, we have this thing, here it is. But for bigger things, like uh, if they're working on webhooks or like another connector, those might wait until the release schedule to match with Salesforce. Hypothetical, uh, I honestly don't know, but I yeah. think it's going that way, yeah. Yeah, okay. And is it the same, similar for RPA and the Anypoint platform in general, or is that just completely different? I think they're all kind of starting to go towards the like, you know, three times a year release mm. schedule. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So we'll see what happens in the future on that one then. Yep. If there was an opportunity to demyth something about MuleSoft Composer or just to kind of make people aware about something in particular that perhaps people have like misconceptions about, is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience along those lines? Uh, for sure. Uh, there's always kind of, especially for myself working at a nonprofit, there's always a bit of sticker shock uh, when you see the list priced on an item of like how much something's going to cost you. And you're like, ah, oh, well, that's just a non-starter without really kind of thinking out of its benefits and its use cases. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was fortunately able to kind of get over that hurdle with our team to say, hey, you know, while it might cost a bit, I think the return is going to be massive. Yeah. And I was able, so like, it's, I think, 57K for the automation package. 
just as an example, but using that for just a single project on our adoption team yeah. has saved us over like $100,000 a year in like human time spent doing that thing. Yeah. So while it's like, uh, yeah, you know, it's a little expensive, you know, we've built out like three or four integrations so far. And just on a single process of three to four integrations, we've been able to easily make our money back. Yeah. And so that's, you know, we have other automations going for that, that same kind of process, you know, plus our two or three other integrations. So it's easily saving us more than it is costing us. Yeah. So if you have a good use case for it and something that can, you know, be built and be used and is a lot easier to manage than like Apex code because I don't know how to do any of that. Yeah. You know, MuleSoft Composer and the MuleSoft Animation Package has like a really easy going UI that makes it useful and easier to operate for the majority of, let's say, like normal admins that don't have coding experience to do those things. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And I think that's great. And especially when you can start to quantify some of your kind of returns as well against the cost, that's definitely mm -hmm. something like a leadership team. They'll absolutely love that <laughs> because then they yes. can demonstrate the ROI directly. You know, you can yep. say, okay, yes, we've paid this much, but we've actually got this much of benefit. And that always goes, mm -hmm. um, especially yeah, when sure. the numbers are in your favor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's helpful just a little bit yeah exactly i mean not so much yeah. the other way but definitely yeah. that way yeah so we're kind of wrapping this session up but before we do go are there any particular pieces of content or resources that you think would be helpful apart from obviously the the trailblazer community group from your soft composer is there anything else that's helped you uh on your journey that's honestly been the most helpful thing and I know like a few of my integrations, I would not have been able to accomplish without the help of the community team. Uh -huh. uh, and I've also done, you know, recently an automate this blog with Salesforce that talks about how I use Microsoft Composer to integrate uh, with our EasyVet platform. So yeah. that's also like a blog plus a recording. So I kind of go a little more in depth and do screenshots there as well. Uh, so if you kind of want to see it in action, that's a great place to go. Um, but yeah, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, I think it's like Andrew-Shanks-Salesforce in the URL. Okay. And that would uh, pop me up holding on to my big furry dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't miss it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. So the automate this, I'm assuming that's on admin.salesforce.com, right? Correct. Yeah, and I did it on November 1st, so it's recent, yeah. Okay, awesome, perfect. Well, thanks again for your time, and hopefully we'll inspire some more people to be a little bit more your soft composer themselves. So thanks again. Thanks for tuning in to Be More with Tom Bassett. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave any feedback in the comments.